Welcome to Life on Pause, a podcast defining the experience of being a young adult with cancer. Each episode, we explore issues impacting young adults in and after treatment. Like what you hear? Have something to add? Come join us for next month's recording, the third Tuesday at 6 p.m. Tonight, we're talking about body image and how cancer treatment um, and the after effects can affect your body image. So if everyone wants to go around and say what is one thing that they personally felt affected their body image um, during treatment or after treatment, I know for me, one of my big things was losing my hair. That hurt a lot. I mean, it was hard. So that was my big thing. I'm going to popcorn it to Casey and Lexi. I really agree with Allie on this one. Uh, Losing your hair was probably the hardest thing that I had to do. And you don't really realize how much hair is part of your identity until you go 19 years with it. And then all of a sudden, like that without it, the hair was a big one. And then also losing your endurance. I mean, just like day-to-day walking stuff, realizing how tough it is to do everyday tasks when your body becomes weaker. That was really tough for my body image. And I'm going to popcorn to Casey. Yeah, thanks. Lexi, I really appreciate that. I I would say for me, more than body image, it was like a body capability issue. I enjoyed being a young, active adult. And so to not be able to play sports or go on hikes like I used to, that was a real struggle for me. So happy to be through the worst of that. And I will popcorn to Ryan. Yeah, I definitely agree with everybody. I would say one of the biggest things for me throughout treatment um, with body image was just my general physical appearance. There was times while I was undergoing treatment where I was like ultra skinny and skin and bones. And then there was other times where like I was on steroids or something for treatment where I really swelled up. So it was just like really weird because it it was almost like every month I I took on a different appearance and I just kind of felt like I wasn't like when I looked in the mirror, I felt like I cut, I kind of wasn't myself visually with that. I will popcorn to Diana. I feel like Ryan said something that I felt a lot. I gained a lot of weight because I was on steroids. So I feel like plenty of times, like you're, body doesn't feel like it's yours anymore like you undergo a lot of uh changes where you just don't know uh where you stand at some point i think one of the big things for me now is honestly looking back at pictures from being on steroids you know everybody has their quirky pictures when they were growing up and you know they're kind of not ashamed of them but they look back they're like what were you dressing like like what was this what was that well some of the things that I look back on are being in high school and having a round face and you would never be able to know who it was and kind of the image of that. I remember going back to school originally and I was just like so puffed up that I couldn't even, you know, barely tell who I was. I felt the same. Everything else was the same except for my, you know, my face was so puffed up and people couldn't even recognize who I was and were wondering if I was a new student at the school and, and things like that, which was you know, very interesting. Um, but I definitely agree with, with everybody that has said stuff so far. And I'm going to popcorn to Marjorie. Losing my hair is probably the biggest thing for me. Um, I also had to deal with part of my treatment was getting my hip replaced. And it was very strange after that. As I was learning to walk normally again, at that point, I was walking very bent over. My legs were all swelled up. It was just weird being around friends and um, trying to deal with this fear of, you know, am I ever actually going to walk normally again? 
So that was a big thing for me that I struggled with. The weirdest thing for me was like the, the beer gut looking thing that I had because I'm skinny and I had this weird big belly. I mean, it's not so weird, but the missing arm, obviously, uh, that's just a lifestyle change of going from, you know, being born with two limbs and now only having one. You get a lot of odd looks in public sometimes, but not too much different. I would probably say it was a few different things. I feel like first it was maybe skin tone because I really did get that that gray look, which I did hide by try to hide by getting, you know, better foundations and stuff. I tried to even though I feel like it didn't look great, I was like, well, at least I'm not gray. And then it was it was the hair thing because other than not personally liking it myself it was kind of like something that really like let people know like hey there's something wrong with her she didn't do that pretty much by her own thoughts and then I feel like I kind of got like sidetracked by like my scars afterwards just by not being able to like I don't wear low-cut things but like just like a regular v-neck you can't wear a regular v-neck without people seeing some of the scars that I have or like when you're wearing bathing suits, I have some scars in places that where if you're wearing a bathing suit, people might see. It's not something that you're ashamed of, but like, I guess you don't want people to question. Yeah, I definitely resonated with like everything everyone said. I know whenever I like was first diagnosed, I was like up on like the adult ward for like the first week. So before I got like the port eventually for like the first year, I had a Hickman catheter that they put in. And so it had like these two like little like tubes were just like, coming out of like my body that were like very like obvious and stuff and I can always like hide under shirts so like outside of just being like completely hairless and stuff and like looking like I had cancer like having like that kind of be visible most of the time made it very awkward like going out places so I really hated that thanks for having me here just to give you a little information about who is this lady that's popped into our podcast (laughs) my name is Julie Larson and I've spent my entire career in oncology supportive care and you know, even more specifically young adults. So I've worked with young adult, adolescent, young adult oncology for gosh, 15 years. And I just have been smiling so much listening to all of you because I feel an affinity. I've, I've been in young adult support groups so many times and I love listening to them. you connect and talk and just be so honest with each other. I was taking some notes as you were talking and writing down what you were saying just so that I could remember and kind of relate to each of you. And yet everything that you have said today is things that I have heard from so many adolescents and young adults again and again. And gosh, isn't it complex, right? Because you're saying something like losing your hair and that that's in 18 years of having hair or 19 years of having hair and then not having it and how that affects how you feel when you look in the mirror. But then at the same time, I'm also hearing you say things like in the way then other people look at me, which is a totally different feeling than the way you feel when you look at yourself, right? So it's so many, it's the, it's the way we feel about ourselves and our body, but it's also the way we feel about ourselves in relationship to other people. Gosh, I heard you too, Marjorie, when you were talking about your hip replacement and learning to walk and how that felt different. Our goodness, who was it? I heard Lexi and Casey also talking about body capability. And just when you're feeling like everybody else is running around and doing all these things and I can't, I just don't feel like I've got the stamina for that. So, so much of what you're talking about. I've heard it makes so much sense to me. I think one of the things 
I'm, I'm curious to hear from you. And, and, and I used to work with my clients in my office a lot around this, but we're going to talk about body image and how that is for yourself. But I think at the end of the day, a lot of this is, is loss. Do you feel that way? Like when I say the words grief or loss, does that resonate for you when you think about how this has been in relationship to your body? I can speak on behalf of that with hair because it sounds a little bit ridiculous. I mean, it's hair, it will come back. But the grief was like immense when I lost my hair because it was like a whole part of my identity was taken with it because I woke up for 19 years every day with long hair and that's what I was used to. And the first time it started falling out, I had it cut off. So that was a victory that I could have. I, I had my hands on that. And then after I cut it off, I went to bed and I woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and I screamed because I saw someone in the mirror and I forgot that my hair was gone. That process is you finish treatment, but you're still, you still don't feel like yourself for, for me, it's been almost two years, well, two and a half years till my hair is back at a length that I remember having a buzz cut and short hair for two years post-treatment, you're healthy, but you still don't feel like yourself because your identity looks different. It is partially a grieving process for sure. Yeah. And, and yeah, Lexi, I don't know if you or others want to say, gosh, I've heard in my office so often people saying things like when, when people say, oh, you look so great or your hair's coming out, like that stuff too, that happens around your body. Right. And the way people try to affirm or help. So I had actually originally missed my senior photos for high school because it was like in the thick of my treatment. So I had to get like separate senior photos through like another photographer. And I had like one of my senior photos my mom had like on one of my shelves um, at my house. And one of my friends was over just the other day, actually, and made the comment like, wow, I can't believe that that's actually you. You know, it kind of hit me. It wasn't only me that was looking in the mirror and seeing all this. Everybody else sees it, too. And, you know, they might look at you differently just because the appearance you take on when you like swell up because of steroids or something like that. Losing my hair was um, kind of a big deal, but I'm sure it wasn't near as like impactful or like as much of a loss as it would be for most women who have like longer hair. But I would say that one good thing that came out of it is that it came back nice and it came back curlier and I appreciate the curls. So. <laughs> You're rocking your curls. They look good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Ryan, I would say, you know, I've, I've certainly sat with a ton of guys who have felt a lot of, they've felt the effect of losing their hair and that it makes them feel really different from the other people their age. What about other people? I would also touch upon like kind of on the hair topic, the power of community behind hair. What I mean by that, it's like my whole family shaved their heads after I relapsed and a lot of other people will shave their heads after they relapse. And maybe that's more of a male thing than a female thing. But I think I saw a sign of hope from others and community coming together when I lost my hair the second time because of what they knew already was going to happen. But they wanted to try to make something to bring in unison together. Community of hair. That's your nonprofit there, buddy. <laughs> So I kind of had the the same deal. I mean, I didn't mind not having hair. I've had long hair for a very long time. So uh, not having hair was weird to me, especially being outside wearing a hat. I was very hot, which made no sense to me. I went to 
purchase some ammunition one time and I was mid-treatment. I had just had a photo identification picture retaken. So my license had hair as it is now. And this other identification had no hair. The salesperson questioned me. They did not believe it was me. They didn't think it was me. They didn't think these two people could be the same person. My big concern after treatment was over was actually getting pulled over and you know being questioned by the police, is this truly you? Because uh, I looked completely different. When I went back to work, I walked by people I had known for five, six, seven years, and they had no idea who I was. They knew about me. They knew that I no longer had an arm, which was even funnier that, you know, you don't hear many people missing a limb and they just walk right by me like they never knew me. So many of you have talked about navigating the reactions of others. How has that been? It's when it, when, as it, as it relates to like how you feel about your body or whatever that is, how has that been? I can say for me, um, the missing appendage here is pretty obvious out in the world. You know, my wife and I both thought that it might bother us because we didn't know how to react when we knew that it would have to come off, but it's just normal to us. And, you know, I tell people that I don't know what life was like with two arms. I don't remember driving with my arm hanging out the window. I don't remember doing anything with two arms, really, which is very odd. We're like, uh, you know, our son's going to grow up and until he sees other daddies, he might wonder why they all have two arms. And that's weird to him. Personally, I don't feel weird in public. I don't feel different. The thing that frustrates me is everybody as a normal human being wants to help the, the disabled person. And I'm not that. And there's actually a, uh, a TED talk out there. I forget the woman's name. She's in a wheelchair. But she talks about I'm not your inspiration because when people see somebody missing a limb or somebody in a wheelchair or somebody with any type of disability whatsoever, they say, wow, you're such an inspiration to me. I wish that I was like you. I wish, you know, I could be like you. You're so amazing. And really, you're not. I mean, you are amazing, but you learn to live with what you've been given. You guys wake up and tie your shoes with two hands. You're not any more amazing than me because I do with one. So we're talking so much about like, you know, how you navigate the reactions of others or how this feels with other people, which is part of body image, right? It's the way we share our body. It's the way we share ourselves. It's the first thing that we give. But what has it been like just privately for you? You know, I heard changing and not myself. I don't feel like myself. And then who was it that said, you know, your body was changing all the time and our, that sense of, I don't know who, this doesn't feel like me. So so I just kind of want to pop over to that part, kind of getting to re-know your body again and, and comfortable. How would you look back or say, talk about that for yourself or share with others? I mean, how do you talk amongst each other about that? I was going to say that for me, not only did I like, you know, grieve my parents, grieve my hair, grieve, you know, the swelling of the steroids or the port being put in kind of being embarrassed about that. I grieved the things that I like to do because of the lack of endurance and Like not even that, I just was depressed and mainly because of my body image. And I feel like I didn't take care of it as well as I should have, you know, like sometimes skipping daily hygiene, like just because it's been a long day, I don't want to get out of bed and things like that. So I know for me, um, it wasn't only the appearance, it was more like the way that I cared for my body too. 
feeling like you kind of want to ignore it, avoid it. I was never like fully comfortable with my body, how it was like when I was undergoing treatment. I just kind of had to accept it for what it was at the moment and, you know, hope for the best that come in the future. I do feel as if like kind of my experience with that has like led me to be more motivated now to like stay physically fit. And since like I have more control now over, you know, how my body looks um, than I did when I was undergoing treatment. You feel a different sense of being able to care for yourself now or affect change in the ways you want. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Yeah, because like when you're undergoing treatment, for example, you could you could work out as much as you want if you're taking steroids. But with that high dosage, you know, you're still going to gain the water weight and you're still going to have, you know, the the round face and stuff like that. Same goes for like times of heavy chemo. When you're on really heavy chemo, you wouldn't want to work out because you're so your body's so exhausted, you know, and your endurance is down. So really just having to let go, let go and and not be able to and, and realize that loss of control. Man, that's hard. That I, I heard you say acceptance. I just had to accept. I mean, that is not easy work. How do how do you do that? How do you guys how do you how did you walk that walk? I kind of had to rationalize it that it was temporary. I mean, there was obviously points of time where I was more discouraged or more like, holy crap, I hope my body doesn't look like this for life. You know, when I actually sat down and rationalized it to myself, you know, I realized that it's because of the types of medicines and stuff and treatments I'm on right now. I was just, I guess, kind of looking ahead at that point to, in order to fully like accept that, you know, it kind of is what it is for the time being. Man, looking ahead, isn't that where so much anxiety and worry lie, right? Holy crap. I hope I don't look like this the rest of my life. And so often when we feel that our heads are going way over into our perceived future, right? Do you feel that? Do you guys feel that too? How do I get back to this moment? Brady, I'm thinking about you too, when you had to walk into school with your face too. I mean, how'd you navigate that? How was that? I think it hurts me more looking back. Um, not even, obviously I can deal with it in the moment and kind of adapt to it. That's part of the reason why I work so, so hard at like my physical fitness and eating healthy and being mindful and doing all these various things that I know because I guess from my perspective, mentality wise, like I want to be better than all those that had nothing wrong with them at all. Like that went through everything. Like I want myself to just like far exceed them. And kind of like another thing is too, is when I was going through treatment the first time, both my ankle bones or my ankles collapsed. So I, I was kind of crawling for lack of better terms for about six months. Now, one of my favorite things to do is run, um, which is kind of ironic uh, because I, you know, there, but I think one one thing that's propelled me a lot is looking forward, but not too far forward, kind of focusing on the day um, instead of focusing on, you know, years down the line, which gave me in trouble sometimes, but, um, <laughs> but can also help, I think, a lot, you know, staying in the present. What perspective you had? I, mean, I would imagine a deep sense of gratitude too, right? What about others? Just some quiet ones on. You can be quiet. That's fine. There's always a place for a good listener, but I just wanted to invite anybody that hasn't spoken. If there's something on your mind, um, I'd love to hear from you too. 
a really interesting um, aspect of it for me now. I'm mostly recovered, but going along with losing control of your body, especially the weakness that came with the heavy chemo. And now when I'm normal, basically, and, you know, running and, you know, going upstairs and stuff with everyone who's never gone through this, it's really strange knowing that they don't understand what a victory this is for me or like how exciting it is. So that's been something that's just been really challenging. You know, for me, it's so exciting every time I walk up a flight of stairs because I wasn't able to do that for so long. It's just odd knowing that the person next to me has no idea um, that I'm normal. Oh, Marjorie, what a poignant thing to have said. I mean, such an important thing to say because so much of this young adult experience is, dare I say, a bit lonely, right? Nobody else is in the middle of the night but you. And nobody else is, is deciding, Allison, not to take a shower because it's pretty doggone uncomfortable to get undressed and stare at yourself in the mirror or, you know, walk through the halls of your school with, you know, your face swelled up. No, no one else is doing that but you. And then, and then also to have to do the celebration moments alone too, finding those ways to honor and really name it for, I hope you named it for yourself. I hope you got to the top of those stairs and just did the like rocky, but like, I hope you really named it for yourself because you got, somebody's got to honor that. And that's because that's big, so big. And it's, I think it's one of the hardest things about going out cancer, right? Is that there's a piece of it that feels a bit alone, not a bit, maybe a lot alone. Oh, yeah. I was just going to add on to that. I kind of forget like who all in our group has had a bone marrow transplant, if anyone else did. That's three of you in this group. Am I seeing that? Three of you in the group? Wow. Okay. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. So like for me, like, I mean, the rest of my treatment, I mean, there was definitely some like struggles and definitely some weakness and like my endurance was definitely cut down and stuff. I feel as if like with my transplant, I literally lost all muscle, you know, that I had, or at least it almost felt that I was completely without any muscle at all to the point where I couldn't even like stand to take a shower. You know, I had like the shower chairs like they had in the hospital. So I don't know if any, everybody else that had bone marrow transplant had similar or the same experiences. But I, I remember the first time I could like finally stand for the entire time I took a shower again, like that was huge for me. And it's just like crazy looking at the progress I've made since then. It's really frustrating when you're at that point because your mind is used to doing so much more, but your body won't let you. It's kind of like you're being held back by your body because it's like, when else is there a time when you lose that amount of muscle and endurance and stuff like that? Like, yeah, of course, if you don't work out as much, you know, or don't stay as physically active, you're going to lose some muscle. But losing that amount that I lost in my transplant, I don't, I don't think I could ever go back that far again. So it was just a really frustrating experience. I can agree with that as well. I had a osteosarcoma, so I didn't deal with the bone marrow transplant, but I was hospitalized on the adult ward for all my chemo treatments. I went from like 130 pounds to like 160 almost overnight because of fluid. And it was to the point where just getting in and out of a hospital bed, my wife had to lift my legs because I was not capable of doing it myself. And we live in a, uh, a bi level home. So walking in my front door, I had to go upstairs. There was a point in time where I would sit 
on my butt like a little kid to go up and down the stairs in our house because I did not have the strength. And, you know, it is, it's an awful feeling to, to be that way. I think we're kind of alluding to it, but just to ask the question kind of just point blank, like what's your relationship with your body now? today. I mean, you've talked to me about the, those dark, hard times of scooting up the stairs or when you're, when you had side effects from, from the treatment, but I, I'm acutely aware of fear of recurrence. I'm sitting with people all the time that are talking about how little triggers kind of make them feel different things and, okay. and lots of different feelings about betrayal or not hard to trust or, you know, I don't know. Uh, what is it for you? Or maybe something very different. I, I'm just, what is your relationship with your body right now? I honestly don't feel any different. Like I said, to me, this is normal. I feel like I was born this way at this point. I got to a certain point in life where I lived with this damaged, useless weight of an arm for eight months while in treatment. And I got to the point where I was done with it. I said, take it off. Let me live my life again. I want to drive again. I want to go out. I want to do stuff. And, uh, you know, this arm's in the way, so we got to get rid of it. Getting rid of your arm, you've kind of reclaimed your body. I guess so, yeah. I was active to begin with, so sitting and doing nothing was extremely annoying all the time. You know, now I do everything that all of you do, and it's no different. I just find new ways to do these things. As far as my treatment and everything, you know, it was a bad part of our lives, but we certainly wouldn't change it. When I go up for scans, I always make sure to visit all the nurses and doctors that are on the cancer unit that took care of me and are the reason that I'm still here. Recurrence is always in the back of my mind and in the back of my family's mind. However, we put all of our trust in the oncologists and surgeons at Hershey. We did a lot of research before choosing Hershey for treatment. And for what I had and lots of other things, there is nothing better in the country than what is right there at Penn State. Because of them, I'm here and all of you are still here to be able to do this. Each of us progressed further from that last chemo treatment or that last transplant. You know, we're, we're getting further away from that recurrence happening. So we try to focus more on that than what could happen. What about when I say, what is this relationship with your body now? At some point, I was so upset with myself. Because I uh, looked at pictures and I was like, wow, that used to be me. And then when I looked at myself, I felt like it wasn't me anymore. So at some point, I don't know. I just decided that even though it was difficult, I wanted to love myself, even like the smallest things. I don't remember where I heard it, but there was something that sometimes we struggle to love ourselves. So when we struggle with that, we should look in the mirror and see something that we appreciate about ourselves. So at some point when I struggled the most, I feel like I just try to like see the most positive side to myself because I felt like if I couldn't love myself, then it was difficult for me to accept the love that was given to me. So now I feel like I try to appreciate my body as um, I keep going. Well, I just finished my last treatment in November. So I'm still pretty, I'm still working on like getting better and things like that. So I'm slowly just trying to love myself and appreciate the way I am, even though maybe it's not where I want to be. But eventually I feel like I'm going to be there. One thing that I want to say to add to that, I really love that, by the way, that was, like, I agree with everything you were saying. 
you definitely grieve your old body, the old person that you were. I was going to say, like, especially as young adults, like we look at our peers and, you know, we put us in this box with our peers and we compare ourselves and we're like, oh, like, and I, especially when you get cancer and you, you know, undergo treatment and you can't keep up with your friends and, or you don't look like them or you're not in the same spot of your life as they are. Like, I know that really is hard and affects you, but not only that, like, I feel like people put certain, you know, cancer patients in a box, like, oh, well, I had somebody tell me one time, so I was getting a steroid too during chemo and, you know, swelled up and gained a lot of water weight. And I had someone tell me like, no, chemo makes you skinny. No, like you're, you shouldn't be gaining weight. And I'm like, like, why, you know, don't put, you shouldn't have to put yourself in this box of society, especially not patients who have had cancer. Um, it's really important to realize that your struggle may not be the same as somebody else, you know, but that doesn't make it any less um, or more hard for you. Oh man, we get in such a trap with that, right? Of comparing ourselves to others. So, and, and when we do that, or, or even that saying of, oh, it could be worse. I'm hearing a lot of that right now with all of the pandemic and COVID. Oh, well, it could be worse. It could be worse. Maybe there's something important or valuable about that. But at the other side of that is that when you do that, you're devaluing what you're going through and, and, and in some ways just increasing that sense of isolation too. So what you're going through matters and is significant for your, your story and your path. Casey, did you have something that you wanted to share too? I'm not normally, I would say, accused of being a quiet one, but I have a dog who is delaying her her nightly walk. So she's pretty, she's been making a lot of noises in the background. So I've been hanging on mute. But something, I, I hope you don't mind uh, going a little bit of a different direction here. Something I wanted to ask about was if anyone had more funny stories. Something something we discussed recently was laughing or, or having fun with yourself throughout this experience. And so when we were talking about body image, something that I think back on was, uh, I don't know what it is, but I, I seem to be a prime target for the people that come up and, and try to scam you at a target. That's happened to me many times. I get approached pretty frequently. But one story from treatment that really makes me laugh is I had the same guy approach me three different times throughout treatment because he didn't recognize me. And by the third time, I was like, hey, you know, we've we've talked before. He was like, I don't I don't think we have. I always got a huge kick out of that. Like, you know, you you hear for your family sees you change day to day. So it might not seem so drastic, but I thought it was pretty, pretty funny that someone would try to scam me three different times because I just look so different. I love that you brought up humor. Humor is such a humor is a trait of resilience. It's sometimes the only way we're getting it getting through. I mean, I I you know, I was thinking even in the spring, all those funny memes that I mean, thank God for the funny people. Are there moments of humor that you've had or that with friends or with a loved one or with yourself? During treatment, I also lost a lot of my eyelashes and eyebrows. And because I have dark hair, when they were coming back in, it looked exactly like I was wearing eyeshadow um, for several weeks. And I was once having a conversation with a friend and he just wouldn't believe that I wasn't wearing makeup because it looked exactly like it. So I got a laugh over that because I don't normally wear it. But for those two weeks, you're ready for your cover shoot. I was in the line at a, a Walmart. This was after treatment to get a prescription and I had a jacket on because it was a little cold outside. And this older woman behind me taps me on the shoulder and she goes, hey, you and I are twins. And, you know, I have this left arm that 
is just a dead sleeve hanging there. And I turn around and look at her and her left arm's in a sling. And I turn the whole way around to look at her and I pull my jacket aside and I said, I'm sorry, I don't quite think that we're twins. Not quite. (laughs) Not exactly. I see body image as a relationship. So in all relationships are dynamic, right? They're, they're, we, have, we have times when we feel really connected and really grateful and warm and good and proud. And then we have moments where we're in a knockdown, drag out fight, right? And moments when we feel disappointed and let down and betrayed and hurt and sad. And so I, I really think of it as a relationship. I've seen some light bulb moments in my office with people when they have felt that sense of betrayal or their bodies let them down, mistrust. And when we begin to talk about you and your body are a team, you're, you're, you're together and together fought cancer, right? The cancer was the, was the person, you know, was the thing. And you're, you and your body, you've been through a lot. You're, you're together in this and just kind of that sense of like healing together too, befriending your body, connecting to your body. I think our minds get real busy, 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 busy brains. And so sometimes our bodies are also an unbelievably powerful tool to ground us and, and calm us too. So we've got to kind of relearn that as a strength, as a value, as a power of your body too. It has the capacity to, to comfort you. Thanks for listening to Life on Pause ideas or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to share them with us. Join us for the next recording on the third Tuesday of the month. Until Until next time. time.